Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Welcome everyone, this is Ugo Che and this is the Traveling Image Makers podcast. Today we have a very special guest from uh, basically across the world, from Buenos Aires, Argentina. We have Mike Holp. Uh, hi Mike, how are you doing? Hello. Hello. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's the beginning of summer down there, I guess. Yeah, summer is it's uh, mid, you know, December, so been summering for a while and uh, it's actually raining right now which is not very typical here in Buenos Aires great so you live in Buenos Aires but you're not from Buenos Aires uh, originally right you're American I mean North American (laughs) Um, would you like to introduce yourselves to to our audience and, and tell a little bit of the story of why you decided to move to Buenos Aires absolutely so my name is Mike. I'm a travel photographer and digital nomad. I've been traveling through South America for almost a year. January 1st will be one year. And uh, I just I'm from Austin, Texas originally. I've lived there about six years. And, you know, uh, I decided to basically have sold my car. I put my stuff in storage and I just took off. I bought a one-way plane ticket to Panama City and flew to Panama City, spent about a month traveling around Panama and went basically, long story short, I went all the way down to Patagonia in Chile. I just, I had this dream to visit a place called Torres del Pine, which you may have, yeah. may have seen pictures of it all over Instagram and other places. One of the places a, I, I yeah. want to go to before it's <laughs> before it's invaded by a million of tourists. Uh huh. Yeah. Actually, December is one of the it's high season, so uh, it's overrun by tourists. Okay. But I was there in early November, so I finally had reached my destination, and uh, and then I decided to go back to Argentina and fly to Buenos Aires, where I am now. I've been staying here for it's almost almost been a month so far i really like this city Mm -hmm. and what other countries have you visited during your your trip in south america yes so i started in panama and then i went through colombia so medellin is also a very Mm. popular place for digital nomads the cost of living is very cheap um, I spent about two weeks in Colombia, went through Peru, Ecuador, Chile, and then Argentina. So in total, about six countries. So when we were talking about this interview, preparing it, you told me about some challenges that you had along the way. So <laughs> maybe you want to yeah. share some of them, maybe some interesting stories, something that Absolutely. Happened, uh, would be curious, something funny or tragic. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Absolutely. There's been so many challenges along the way. Um, most of them have been the result of, of you know, not having enough money. <laughs> as you know, as a photographer, it's not always easy to make a living from this. Um, so I've been trying to figure out ways to 
to make it more sustainable and, you know, sell my photos online. Uh, I also do a lot of digital marketing, so I'm working on different things. But one of one of the challenges I faced was um, when I went from Ecuador to Peru, I crossed the border in the middle of the country where there is very little security, no border patrol. And I was just under the impression that you didn't need a passport stamp. <laughs> uh, there's no, no security. So I just walked across the border. And so then I was in Peru for about three months, essentially uh, illegally. Yeah. <laughs> and so that made it quite challenging. Um, and I went to immigration, uh, the, what is it called? The embassy, U.S. embassy in Lima, Peru. And I, no one would give me the stamp. But did uh, the police find so, out about that, or was it just you realized no. that you needed a stamp and better get one before they find out? <laughs> Luckily, I did not get caught. Yeah. But every time I checked into a hostel, um, I had to pay an 18% tax, which is kind of annoying. Mm. Uh, so, but anyway, long, long story short, I was in traveling around Peru for three months. I actually went all the way down to Chile and they would not let me cross into Chile. Uh, so I had to go back all the way back to Ecuador and I found a way to get across. And then, but that, that was one of the, the yeah, biggest yeah. challenges, I think. I can imagine. And how did you uh, travel uh, around? Was it trains, buses, planes? Yeah, mostly, mostly buses. All I've probably spent at least 200 hours on buses mm -hmm. um so obviously they're they're very cheap cost effective uh, i've been traveling on a budget this whole time and you in the end you find yourself in, in argentina and you you find a job there right well i haven't found a job um oh. i'm working from a place called we work so it's oh. a co-working space you, have you heard of it uh no no uh so you uh, you're basically still working on your own. Exactly. Uh, okay, okay. So, so it's basically, uh, it's a place to work and, and meet people. And uh, there's a, it's on the top floor of this building with a beautiful view of the city. So it's very motivating mm -hmm. to work from here. Yeah, I see. Uh, how's life in Buenos Aires? It's pretty good. Uh, the standard of living is, is good here. Um, pretty pretty cheap place to live um, people are friendly it sort of has a, a European vibe so it kind of reminds me of someplace like Paris although I have I have not visited Europe yet it's on my list yeah I'd love to visit Italy um, so you're a you're a digital nomad as I said even though you've been staying there for for a month you said uh, yes can you Tell us a bit, a little bit about what it means to be a digital nomad nowadays, and especially in, uh, yeah. in terms of uh, the economy of the thing, the, the business of the thing. So, um, sure, I understand that it's uh, it can be cheap, but still you need to to make some money. So, how do you uh, support your Absolutely. lifestyle? Sure. So, what um, one thing I've been doing um, to generate passive income? Well, first of all. Uh, being a digital nomad is it's a growing new movement um, sort of popularized by Tim Ferriss mm -hmm. so he wrote a book called the four-hour work week 
which is um, highly regarded as, as one of the best books for, um, you know, digital nomads. I actually have not finished reading the book, but he's a interesting guy. He lives in, he actually lives in Austin, right, as well. He has a podcast. It's very popular. But yeah, anyway, I, I read the book, um, but I yeah. haven't, you haven't finished reading the book, but you already started implementing it. And I have sure, finished reading yeah. it, but I have not implemented <laughs> it yet. So. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, you got to work on that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I've just, I've read a bunch of other books on, on digital nomads and watched YouTube videos and this sort of thing. But um, one of the things I've been doing to generate passive income, uh, and if you don't know what passive income is, it's it's basically a way to uh, make money by either marketing or essentially, yeah, uh, look, you can look it up. But um, so if so I there's try to explain it's like typically involves <laughs> creating some form of content, online digital yes. content. Then it, you just yeah. put it up for sale, and you don't have to com continually create new content because you have this content that passively generates income while you are sipping a pina colada on the beaches uh -huh. of Colombia or Panama. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's, that's the dream. What, yeah, that's the dream. <laughs> sure, sure. But uh, so I've been making money with Airbnb, mm -hmm. which most people, you know, they're already familiar with the concept of of renting out your place and, um, you know, finding guests and, and that sort of thing. But most people don't realize that they, have, they also have a referral program. Mm -hmm. So essentially you're an independent contractor working for Airbnb, uh, freelance and you're, uh, basically you can send out an email to all your contacts, it's email marketing. Um, and then everyone that that signs up and become a becomes a host on the platform, you get paid. And mm -hmm. for me, it was about two hundred dollars every time, just direct deposit. So I've made quite a bit of money that way does <laughs> by it doing little. Yeah, but, but I mean, does what? it scale once you have kind of exhausted your list of context that uh, that you have? turn into Airbnb hosts? Where do you go That's from the there? Do you need to get new contacts? So do you have a way exactly. of uh, getting contacts to you in your on your mailing list uh, through your website? How do you go about doing that? Good question. Yeah, so you have to build an email list. But at this, the nice thing about this program is it actually allows you to just import all your contacts from Gmail. Mm -hmm. And then you can send out an email blast to everyone and also you can invite people directly from the app. So the contacts in your phone are fair game as well. Mm. But they cut you off, there's a payout limit of $5,000. So I reached that limit. And after that, you can't make any more. Oh, okay. <laughs> so now I have to find other, other techniques. Uh, uh, do you also make money through your photography? That's the thing. Um, so I just launched, I'm setting up an online store on SmugMug. Uh, so right now I haven't actually launched it yet, but once that's available, I'm going to start advertising. And uh, I'd love to hear any pointers you may have about making 
you know, selling artwork online or photos. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a tough proposition uh-huh. nowadays. <laughs> sure. Uh, for me Challenge. personally, right, right now I'm not focused on uh, selling uh, photos online. I, uh-huh. I did it for some time through uh, stock agencies, which is sure. still sure. can be a viable uh, avenue for for some people. The the problem is that it's it the money that is involved is uh, is getting less and less every day. Exactly. I just got I just got an email. I was uh, signed up with an agency years ago that I, I'm still for some reason, even though I've deleted all of my photos there. Uh, uh-huh. I still get their emails and I just got, got an email today and said we are starting in 2019 we are reducing the commission for direct sales from 50% to 40%. Uh, <laughs> so crazy. That's, yeah crazy. that's that's kind of crazy. So stock photography yeah. is uh, is kind of difficult because the money is uh-huh. uh, is much less than it used to be. And And it's uh, also just, it's so competitive. I mean it's, it's competitive really, and it's really uh, in order to compensate the fact that you have you get less money per photo you need to sell more photos and to sell more photos you need to produce many more photos so it it can really become a a huge uh, full-time job just creating photos and and you need to create photos that sell well on stock so you need to take photos specifically for stock because I, i did some occasional I mean from my travels I would take photos of places and I would occasionally sell them because they were good photos but I didn't shoot specifically for stock so uh, that not Uh, being my focus my sales were always uh, very limited and just the job of uh, selecting them uploading tagging even the tagging very Athlete tedious. It was very yeah. tedious and time consuming uh-huh. and for the money I was getting. I said I would just use my time to do, to do something different. Sure. Uh, yeah, so, exactly. And so, I think Shutterstock takes about an eighty percent cut. Yeah. On all your all of your sales, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. They're just providing the marketplace, but we're <laughs> we're the artists selling the, the photos. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. So make I just sense. decided I think Smug Mug is a much better option because you keep 100% or roughly, you know, 80 over 80% of the profit. Yeah, a uh, uh-huh. place like Smug Mug, though, is not a, a stock site. So mm-hmm. on a stock agency, like Shutterstock, I mean, let's say you are, you went to Machu Picchu, okay, in Peru, and you put up a photo of a llama in front of the ruins of Machu Picchu. Let, let's not think about the fact that it's a photo that's there's probably a million other variants of the same. Uh, photo. Yeah, but just to yeah. give an example, sure. right? So uh-huh. you, you put you put that photo there and you tag it properly, and then people go to Shutterstock or Getty or Alamy or other sites like there because they need a photo of a llama in front of Machu Picchu, and they go there and search llama Machu Picchu. And they might mm-hmm. find your photo, and for whatever reason, they prefer your photo to the other nine hundred ninety-nine thousand ones. <laughs> um, yeah. Or you have something more unique that is easier to find. But in the end, that's a, that's a search engine, right? Sure. People are looking Absolutely. for a specific subject, and they go and do a search. On Smugmug, you have your site, but there isn't really a search engine. People are not going to Smugmug to search for a photo to use for for stock. 
uses. So mm -hmm. that's the you get more money per photo, but you're not as easy to find. So yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, hmm. What what I heard from from people who make passive income through photography mostly is uh, digital content in the form of uh, tutorials, courses, ebooks, and those kind of things. Sure. Blog posts. Yeah. And then Blog posting itself, I mean, it's uh, hard to sell. Unless uh -huh. you're, you're right, you can write for uh, a site where they would pay you money for writing articles for them. But the, the amount, the, the, the fee for an article is very small these days. You're lucky if sure. you get $20, $30, stuff like that. I mean, you would have to write 10 articles a week just to survive. <laughs> and it's not passive. Exactly. It's not passive because so you, need I'm, to, um, you need to, you sell it yeah, once so and then you cannot reuse it. Yeah. yeah, maybe you can reuse the same article or just edit a little bit for another publication, but you cannot resell the same article to a thousand different blogs. So that's not Yeah, you're looking for... Ideally, evergreen content that is is always relevant. Yeah. And uh, if you you could post an article and include affiliate links or referral links to get people to click, and then you make money on every sale, something like that. But I've I've decided that I'm going to be launching pretty soon a, a putting up a sales funnel or a landing page. Um. So to start teaching other people how to live this type of lifestyle as a digital yeah. nomad and generate passive income with Airbnb. Um, so I'll offer, I wrote an ebook, um, which is in PDF format. I'm just going to offer that ebook for free as an, as an incentive or an opt-in. And then I can upsell them and offer like a, a webinar or a training course, essentially to that, yeah. that would be the, what they'd pay for. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's kind yeah. of typical. Yes, not, not easy. Exactly. I mean, because it's uh, something that has. Uh, but if you find a, a niche, uh, can mm -hmm. be digital nomadism, then uh, uh, it can sure. work because maybe it's uh, it's less uh, crowded than others. I don't yeah, remember I seeing uh, aside from Tim Ferriss, which you mentioned. I don't remember sure. much uh, other publication in the, in that space. Exactly. And I think a, a lot of people are not familiar with this referral program through Airbnb. And it's a, so I think I'm onto something with that. Okay. Yeah. Best of luck to you for, <laughs> for Thank that. you. Um, but maybe you want to uh, just uh, switch in topics a little bit. You sure, want to, sure. to give our audience uh, a little bit of uh, tips and techniques mm -hmm. on, on how to be an effective digital nomad, what it takes, what kind of uh, setup you have, um, sure. where, where do you find accommodation that can be cheap, uh -huh. uh, yeah. uh, what kind of equipment do you go around with, uh, uh, yeah. and how do you Absolutely. survive in general? I'd be happy to share all of that. Um, so in terms of accommodation, let's just start with that. I almost always stay at hostels which, you know, is, is not an ideal situation, but it's very cheap. So you can, can get a dorm room for about $10 per night. And so, yeah, so I typically stay in hostels unless 
I can arrange, I've been able to arrange free accommodation, essentially a complimentary stay at luxury hotels in exchange for professional photos, uh, you know, a post on Instagram and like a blog post. Oh, that, that's very interesting. So this, um, yeah. Please tell, tell me more, uh, especially how do you find those type of hotels and yeah. so on? They just research them online or you see a hotel, uh -huh. just you're, you're, you're in, a, in a place and you see a nice hotel and you just go inside and say, can I talk to the marketing manager? <laughs> yeah, how, does actually, it, how does it work? I, uh -huh. I did that yesterday. I went to this uh, intercontinental hotel and it's one of the nicest hotels in Buenos Aires. And I just went into the hotel and looked around is absolutely beautiful. Uh, and I went up to the, the business center and got the contact information of the marketing manager, person in charge of this stuff. And uh, sent, you know, went back and sent her an email. Um, but typically, I'll just build an email list uh, by going to the, you just do a Google search, look at the you know, sort by price, um, luxury hotels, and then you can go to the website, um, use a, there's a Chrome extension. Mm -hmm. um, so mo most of your audience will probably be familiar with, with, with that, that, what that is. Um, but it's called hunter.io. So you basically use this Chrome extension and you can find all the email addresses of the people in charge on that website, that particular website. Cool. And, yeah, I had no idea. It's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. And then you just build an email list and send out, you know, I have a, basically an email script that I send to everyone. And I say, my name's Mike. I'm in Buenos Aires. I'd love to discuss a three-night stay at your hotel. And here's the services I will provide. So you, you point them to your website or Instagram profile so they, see, they can see the type of work that you do. Exactly. And I've already built up that portfolio. I send them to my website. Um, I have over 10,000 followers on Instagram. So I'm, you know, considered an influencer, whatever that means. Um, so, yeah, that's... And then, you know, out of 10 people, maybe three or four will get back and one will be interested. Well, that's a yeah. pretty good, that's, I mean, I was meaning to ask what what was your sure. conversion rate, so to speak, which is uh, sure. for out of so many contacts, how many do you actually turn into uh, leads and, and customers? Uh -huh. and, uh, and that's pretty good. I mean, I was thinking that it would be much lower because I mean, one out of 10 is uh, is great. Yeah. Yeah, so I stayed at a hotel here in Buenos Aires for four nights and uh, just took pictures of, of the hotel. I met with the, the marketing manager and then basically just sent him all the photos at the end. Mm. I was, I was yeah. thinking that it might be much harder, actually. But you'd have You'd to contact surprised. a thousand hotels to get one to even listen to yeah. you. Is that? No, that's, yeah, that's most great. People most people probably think it's very difficult, but it's actually not, not that bad if you can come up with a, an email script that converts. Um, but yeah, the, most of the people got back to me and said, oh, no, it's, it's high season here. You know, obviously, we're coming up on the holidays. So most of them weren't interested, but, you know, but I guess that's how with, it goes. With some research, you can 
go to a place where it's low season and get even higher conversions or uh, research sure. locations that don't have much in, in terms of an online visibility and you work on those whereas if you go to i don't know santorini here in europe uh, it would be maybe much <laughs> harder because that's uh, more crowded and more competitive but with a bit of research i guess you can uh, you can find the right the right places and uh, Absolutely. If you don't, don't mind about yeah. going to a place in, in low season where the hotels might be half empty, it uh, could be really could be re work really well. It's that's very interesting. Now I'd like to find a way to actually get paid for to, um, staying at these hotels, not just in exchange for free accommodation. Yeah, because you still yeah. need food. Okay, yeah. you've got Sorry. the lodging set. Yeah. You still need the food. <laughs> and I do have some plan. Yeah. I do have some financial support, which from family, which I was very, uh, very grateful for. Um, my dad helps me sometimes, you, but obviously can't rely on that forever. Have you, have you tried doing the same with restaurants? Um, no, I haven't actually considered that avenue yet. It's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can give me 10% for the idea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Food photography is uh, not really send, my thing. No, you can send me food. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but uh, to answer, I'll answer your second question, which was uh, the photography gear. Mm -hmm. um, I've been, but well, basically, I've been traveling with one hiking bag. Uh, everything is in just this one hiking bag, including my clothes, and uh, very, very minimal travel lifestyle. Um, Basically, just yeah. So I have I've been shooting with a Sony A6000. I love the mirrorless cameras. I think a lot of the the professionals are moving in that direction now because uh, they're they're very lightweight. And yeah, I have uh, you know just a Sony A6000 and a couple different lenses. Do and it's great. I've been shooting with this camera for four years. Do you still have your drone? Right. I do still have my drone. It's. <laughs> it's uh, I, I, I remember we we, we talked months ago and you had lost your drone in Costa Rica or, or something. Yeah. That was the story. Oh, we've been. Wow, we've been connected that long, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did. That's that's great. Uh, but yeah, I was shooting on assignment in Costa Rica for two months. For CostaRica.com, which was an incredible experience. It was all expenses paid. And I was traveling with my business partner. Uh, he started the, the company. So we went all the way down the Pacific coast. And I was shooting on assignment, um, basically, um, let's see, what was it? This, uh, aerial videos for tour companies. So, but yeah, I did crash my drone. Eventually it was, um, I was in the, the cloud forest. I don't know if you've ever been to Costa Rica. No, unfortunately not. Ah, beautiful country. Uh, but yeah, I was in the cloud forest and I, I took off from, you know, I was in the rainforest. I took off from kind of a remote location in the middle of all these trees. And I could not figure, I could not figure out where I was. <laughs> so I, I hit return to home mode. And, you know, eventually I had to crash land because the battery died. So I crash landed it and uh, I used the GPS in the app to figure out 
try to figure out where it was. So we searched for about an hour and never recovered it. It started pouring down rain. Mm. So it's like nothing could be done. Sad story. Or maybe some monkeys are yeah. playing with your drone. <laughs> <laughs> I've crashed quite a few of them too. Oh. And I didn't have insurance I didn't have insurance on this one, so that was about thirteen hundred dollars down the tubes. But I did get some amazing videos and photos before it crashed. Uh, do, do you find that it's uh, easier or more remunerative to, to sell video instead of stills? Or do you have uh, experience in that regard? Not really. I I'm really more of a photographer than mm -hmm. a videographer, I would say. But um, there are websites out there. There's one called, um, I can't think of the name off the top of my head, where basically you can sell aerial videos. Mm. Uh, but no, mostly, mostly I just stick to the, the photos. Interesting. I would think that that could be a, uh, still a, not as crowded a market as it for stills. Sure. I mean, stills from the air or even video from the air. I mean, drones are getting more popular, but there's not a lot of people that can do a, a good <laughs> looking, a proper video from, from the drone, me included. Yeah. So it takes uh, right. some specific skills that that could be something to to invest some time in and uh, yeah and absolutely uh, I still have all the the aerial footage from Costa Rica I just have to go through it and start uploading it. So another question: If you weren't a, a digital nomadic photographer, what would you be instead? Ah, oh, good question. Well. Uh, when I was in Austin, you know, I was taking taking aerial photos around the city and um, just putting those up there and that sort of thing. But yeah, I started out, I actually studied computer science. So I was, uh, I moved to Austin right after I graduated, went to Michigan State and uh, finished up my bachelor's degree there and uh, just moved to Austin and uh, it was you know, I was able to find a job developing mobile apps pretty quickly. So I was doing that for a while. And, uh, you know, I worked there for a few months. And I, while I was working there, I was actually building my own mobile app startup, essentially, uh, which was called Dude, Where's My Car? Sort of like the movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I built that. And I actually tried, I tried to get Ashton Kutcher... <laughs> Uh, on board since he was on the, in the movie uh, as an investor and to help me endorse the app. But that never materialized. It never worked out. So I kind of just put that on the back burner and pit, uh, pivoted essentially. Um, so it just started following my passion as a full-time photographer because I've always been interested in photography and yeah, that's how, that's really how it started. Now I've been traveling for a year in South America so if, and I have no regrets. <laughs> good. But if this thing should not uh, end up being uh, enough to support you, I mean, sure. do you envision yourself going back to kind of a software developer or software entrepreneur kind of? Uh, mm. Not really. That? Yeah, no. I have. I have considered. I'm really more interested in digital marketing, to be honest. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so I'd love to work for Airbnb. Obviously, I mean, technically, I've already been working for them just as a contractor. So I've, I've been reaching out to recruiters over there. Um, so that's always a possibility. And, you know, that, then I'd be living in San Francisco where the rent prices are ridiculous, just absurd. <laughs> uh, honestly, here in Buenos Aires, it's, it's much cheaper. You can get an apartment for $400 a month. Um, which you'd, there'd be no way in Austin to find something that cheap. No, can't imagine. Do you yeah. plan to stay in Buenos Aires for much longer? Move somewhere I else? Really did. I haven't decided yet. I'd, I'd like to go up to Iguazu Falls. It's at the, in, you know, Brazil, the border of Brazil and Argentina. Mm -hmm. It's the largest waterfall in the world. Just an incredible place. So I'd like to be up there early next month for my birthday. I think that would be a, a great place to celebrate my birthday. Um, yeah, just that's the plan. And uh, I'm not really sure how much longer I'll stay here. I'm planning on working in, in WeWork for another month. And, you know, hmm. then maybe I'll go back to the States. I'm not really sure yet. The flights are expensive. Yeah, <laughs> you can just take buses and hop from country to country all the way up to to Texas. Yeah, that's uh, or maybe, maybe come, an option. Come to Europe, even though the prices here. I would here, like to come to Europe. Yeah, I mean. Yes, definitely. The cost of living here, have, uh, at least in most of Europe, is not that lower compared to the U.S. So even even higher. I mean, if you go to Switzerland, it's going to be definitely oh, more expensive yeah, than, sure. than Texas, <laughs> for example. Switzerland, forget about it. Yeah, That's uh, way too expensive. You can go to Port Portugal or Greece or so on. And that could be. Mm -hmm. good, I've good met a place. lot of people from from Europe, mostly Germany. Germans love to travel. <laughs> um, so and I'm also considering Indonesia. That's a very popular spot for digital nomads as well. Uh, you can get by at about $10 per day. So it's very, very cheap and it's just a beautiful place. Tell me about the day when you decided you, you wanted to be a digital nomad and you just, okay, let, let's, let's, let's leave. What was the, the conversation in your head? What am I going into? Were you confident? Was it something scary? Oh, yeah, it's definitely scary. To, uh, I found that the, the most difficult part was buying that plane ticket, taking the, the leap of faith, so to speak, and just leave. I've had to, you know, I had to leave my friends behind back in Austin, which is, yeah, I still miss them. Um, but really, I'm, I'm living my passion, doing what I love. And I think that's the, the most important part. Now it's just a matter of finding out finding a way to make it a sustainable business so i'm not a starving artist <laughs> and i can afford to do you, you find know. it of all the things that tim ferris mentions that talks about in his book what what actually for you turned to be a reality and what actually turned to be just dreams maybe mm. well i mean you know on the front cover of the book he has uh a graphic of a, someone just lying on a hammock on a beach, 
sipping a, a drink or whatever, but that's not, it's not really, that's more of a dream. It's, um, it's actually pretty difficult. There's a lot of challenges along the way that most people don't realize. And I think the whole, the book, the name of the book, four hour work week is kind of a misnomer. It's a lot of work that goes into it. It looks like you got to work 40 hours a week, at least to uh -huh. find the customers who would give you four hours to work during the week or something sure. like that. Right? There's 40 hours yes. of marketing <laughs> for four uh -huh. hours of work. But the, the book exactly. doesn't talk about the 40 hours of marketing, or at least, I mean, in my no. recollection, it does. But it, then, it, yeah, the, the title is a bit of mis is a bit misleading. Definitely. Out of sight, out of mind. But uh, one, one of the challenges I'm dealing with right now is um, my laptop doesn't work. So it's about, you know, it's a very old MacBook Pro. It's about seven years old. And uh, the Wi-Fi, the, the Wi-Fi doesn't work. <laughs> so that makes it very challenging to accomplish things. Uh, luckily, where I am now, I can get a direct connection, uh, Ethernet connection. Uh, but it's also become very slow. So a friend recently helped me. He logged, basically logged into my computer remotely and he was able to identify the problem which is essentially my laptop is very very slow i went to an electronic store here in buenos aires and uh, they replaced the laptop with a solid state drive which is about it's like 20 times faster so i put that in there and then i came back and uh you know tried to reinstall the operating system and uh it just it wouldn't take um, I couldn't, couldn't boot from the drive. So I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> now what am I going to do? I have no way to use my laptop and I don't want to buy a new one because, uh, first of all, I can't afford it. And electronics are a lot more expensive here in Argentina due to like import taxes and that sort of thing. So I took it to the Mac store and there, so it's in, it's in for repairs right now, mm. but that's, as a digital nomad, you, you need access to a laptop. That's the whole thing. Um, laptop lifestyle. So now I don't have a laptop. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's, uh, that's but, uh, definitely a problem, I, I guess. Sure. So exactly. The, there's are the, some, some risks involved. Um, if you yeah. don't have Just one of the many, many challenges. Until you have money, until you have enough money in the bank, then you are subject to the fact that I mean, you're, you, 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 you said you travel with a, with a single hiking bag, but if, what if that is stolen? That's basically that's all of your true. possessions. Yeah, I mean, exactly I don't, I don't want all. to sound scarier, <laughs> but that's, no, that's a real possibility. Absolutely. That's always a risk you have, to, you have to deal with on a daily basis, especially staying at hostels. Um, so I usually just leave my, my bag out in the open. I don't lock it up or anything. I, maybe put my camera under the bed where people can't find it. Um, but yeah, that's, it's a very real possibility. Would you, everything be stolen. Would you change anything if you could go back one year and say, okay, now, now I want to, I want to <laughs> go back one year and say, mm -hmm. I want to be a digital nomad starting today, but having learned everything that I've learned during this year, 
mm-hmm. and able to, to restart, replay again, rewind and replay. Would you change something sure. in, in the way you did things? Uh, I don't, I would say no. Oh. Uh, maybe, well, one thing, I, I would have saved up more money before leaving because I left with about $500. Mm-hmm. And, and that, so that's, I probably would have worked somewhere for a while and saved up money. Got some kind of lifeline. Yeah. Support. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's been uh, very risky, just taking off and uh, leaving everything behind, essentially. But you know, I don't have too many regrets, and I'm not just a, a digital nomad. I'm also a travel photographer as well, and I've got to visit so many be- beautiful destinations just here in South America. So uh, have. Lots of good memories and stories that I can share. And maybe, maybe if I get married someday, I, I could share stories with my kids or whatever, you know. So, any story in particular that you want to share? Ah, let's see. Well, yeah, just hiking, hiking in Torres Alpine and and some of the places in Chile and Patagonia was, I'd say life-changing experience um i was traveling through through patagonia and actually hitchhiking part of the way which is is relatively safe in chile um and everyone i met was was pretty friendly uh one of the things i barely i still barely speak spanish mm-hmm. <laughs> even after traveling for a year um i don't know why just it's yes. um it's because everybody else speaks English to you, maybe. Yeah, mostly. Staying, uh, yeah. Okay, good. Yes, sure. Good, really interesting conversation. And as I said, I've I've read the book. I've read the four-hour work week. Uh-huh. But I still have to Excellent. really implement it, put it in practice, some of the things that are, that are in there. But yeah, sure. um, resonates very much. Your, your experience is... Uh, I think uh, illustrative of the maybe the good and bad that comes with sure, the digital nomad lifestyle, right? And hopefully, I'm inspiring lots of people along the way, and by sharing my photos and stories and all this stuff. Speaking of that, where can people find your photos online? So my my website slash portfolio is at hopephotography.com. H O L P. That's my last name. Mm-hmm. And you can also find me on Instagram. It's just Mike Hope. And uh, yeah, I'm all over social media. Good. We'll, Easy to find. We'll, we'll put links to that in the in the show notes that go together with this episode. Um, and we'd just like to, to wish you all the best for your adventuring in South America, wherever that may bring you. Thank you so much. I may go to Brazil next. I just have to get my visa. Okay. So I'm considering what to do. So now you need, you need to learn Portuguese. There. Uh, yeah. My, oh. my experience in Brazil is that. <laughs> Forget it. Not many people speak English. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You've been to Brazil? Yeah, I've been to, and uh, it's not a, it's not common to, for at least that was a few years ago, maybe uh-huh. you know, six years ago. 
Uh, English was not commonly spoken, so you'll have to learn uh, a few words of Portuguese. Well, if you if you know a little bit of Spanish, it helps, because my, many people will will speak Spanish in addition to Portuguese. Sure. English is kind yeah. of the third language there, so there's definitely a language barrier. Get a, get a, get a little you. get a little phrase book and uh, <laughs> sure. start 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 studying. <laughs> All right, uh, thanks yes. again for uh, for joining us today. No uh, it's been great talking to you. Uh, I would just like to remind everyone that you can find this episode and all the others that we've published and all the future ones at our website at ttim.photo. Uh, and as for me, my website is at ucphoto.me. Uh, whereas for my co-host Ralph Velasco, who could not be with us today due to time zone differences, essentially, uh, you can find him at photoenrichment.com and on social media as at photoenrichment and as at Ralph Velasco. And now that's really all today. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode and another guest. And now let's get out and shoot.